Hey Church of the Beloved, my name is Kevin Zo and I'm the production manager here at COTV. Just wanted to say a quick thanks for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. This week's message is brought to us by our interim senior pastor, Abe Lee. He is preaching from the book of Haggai. So uh, before we dive into today's message, I want to mention that after we finish this uh, current sermon series on the Minor Prophets, uh, which is we have two more prophets to go. We're going to be focusing on a little bit on who we are, who we strive to be as a church, our values as the Church of the Beloved. We're going to look at the, the biblical foundation of those things we have been called to prioritize as a church, as well as how we practically try to live these values out, how, how we try to live missionally, how we try to be gospel-centered, dependent on prayer, how we desire and try to be community-minded and passionate about worship. I mention that because today we get to induct a few folks into our community as members of the Church of the Beloved, and so uh, the folks who will help who will try to help uh, draw us near to God and who we will try to help draw near to God and to live out our, our values and our mission as a church, uh, to transform people into spirit-filled disciples who know that they are the beloved of God because of Christ alone. So as a result, uh, we are going to keep the message a little short, well, shorter today as we want to close out the service as we bring up these five folks to, to the stage at the end so we can welcome them into the family, pray with them. And be with them. But now let's look at this book, Haggai. And it's the, I should mention that the first nine prophets that we looked at, they were all prophets who, who preached and prophesied before Babylon came onto the scene. And before Babylon dragged the people of Judah away from their land, from Jerusalem, and before Babylon destroyed the temple of God. So they are called, the first nine, the pre-exilic prophets, or the prophets who were there before the exile. And then later, about 70 years after the Babylonians had exiled the Judeans, uh, you have the Persians. They came into the scene and defeated the Babylonians, and the Persian king Cyrus, he came along and decided that he let the former Babylonian captives return home. And so if you were to look at the book of Ezra, you see that a good number of Judeans, some of who were born in captivity, so they never knew Jerusalem, but they decided to go ahead and return so we got about 50,000 uh, folks returning back to Jerusalem or going to Jerusalem. And one of the things they do is they started to rebuild that demolished temple. Unfortunately, for a number of, you know, not great reasons, they only laid down the foundation of that temple. They never finished the job. In this book, this prophet Haggai, he calls the people of Jerusalem to start rebuilding, to, to, to rebuild the temple again, to prioritize God again. Now, here's the thing. Today, as I said, Family Sunday. So this is for the kids, for all the kids who are here. Hopefully, you have a piece of paper, something to draw with, and something to draw on. Because what I want you to do during service is actually I want you to draw. You don't have to pay attention to me at all. I want you to draw, I want you to draw a picture of Judah uh, and the people there rebuilding the temple. And I want you to make that temple amazing because the temple is where God's supposed to live, right? This is the place where God's going to be glorified, where God's going to be worshipped. And I really want you to, if you would, please show me that picture after service today. Because here's the thing. We're going to start collecting some of these amazing pieces of art that you're drawing because we want to show them to everybody. 
We want to put them up. I don't know where yet, but we're going to get like a nice board or something and put them up on Family Sunday, Sunday so that we can show the rest of this uh, church the stuff you're doing in Sunday school. You know, with your Sunday school teachers, Miss Linda, Mr. Ray, Mr. Charlie, Miss Lydia, Miss Evelyn, you know, all of them. We want to be able to show what you're doing. Is that cool? I can't see the kids. Just somebody wave if that's cool. All right, thank you. Uh, I saw a wave. So uh, for everyone else, we're going to spend time, uh, you can draw too if you really want, but we're going to spend time talking about the temple. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a church where they needed to raise money to build or buy uh, a new building. It's possible that if you have, you've heard uh, these verses read to you, verses 2 through 5. And this is what it says in Haggai chapter 1, verse 2 to 5. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for, their, for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. As I said, you probably hear this if you've ever been to a church that's raising capital. In my opinion, I don't think it's necessarily a good or right thing to equate the temple in Jerusalem with our local modern churches today. Because, see, the temple that's presented in Scripture is a whole lot more significant and it had a very different context than what any modern church building has today. When I first joined Church of the Beloved and became the campus pastor back in 2019, it seems like centuries ago at this point. But when I first joined, some of the folks on staff explained to me why we would never buy a church building. It's cause, and they would say, it's not part of our DNA. We want to go where the beloved live, and we want to set up shop there, and we want to become part of the community. So we need to be, to be flexible. We need to be nimble. We need to be able to pick up and move at any point in time. That's why we had three campuses for a period of time, three separate pastors. And I thought about that, and recently I thought, that's cool, but the question came to mind is, why is all our equipment so heavy then? Why, why do we buy a fog machine with, like, robot lights? I mean, it's, by the way, if anyone wants a fog machine with robot lights, it's for sale, because I just don't want it anymore. We've got to get rid of it. It's sitting in my garage. Um, this is a bit of a tangent, and I, I, just, I need to make an announcement. I might as well do it now. We seriously are considering and want to consider everyone who's part of our beloved family, specifically where we should be meeting. And we've mentioned this before, but since we're all part of one church, one body, one family together, we're sending out a survey. It's probably going to go out tomorrow, um, and it's going to go to everyone that's on our mailing list. And if you are not receiving uh, weekly email newsletters uh, from us or any updates at all, I'm going to ask you, please fill out that welcome or connection form. Just tap the connect with us button on our website, cotb.life. Or if you believe you've done that already and you're still not receiving it, then maybe you didn't, so try again. Or check your spam. It might be going in there, but look for that survey. It's going to be going out. We're going to give you the results of it uh, in a few weeks. But I want to come back to the temple. I want to talk about the significance of the temple from Scripture, and, and why is so much more, so different from any modern church today? And to do that, I want to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the sky and the seas, the fishes, the animals, and humans. In the very beginning, God created the universe. 
right? And I believe that in the beginning, God created the universe to serve as his cosmic temple. And at the end of the creation of his cosmic temple, God rested. God took a Sabbath. He took residence in his temple. And God dwells there in his cosmic temple because all of creation is God's temple. There's a book, um, it's by an author named John Walton. He, it's called The Lost World of Genesis 1. And I, I just really like this quote from there. And this is what he wrote. He wrote, the most central truth of the creation account is that this world is a place for God's presence. Now, prior to day one, God's spirit was active over the non-functional cosmos. God was involved, but had not yet taken up residence. The establishment of the functional cosmic temple, the universe, is effectuated by God taking up his residence on day seven. So God created everything so that those created in his image could live with him, could dwell with God. And for, for a minute, there wasn't a need for a temple for us to be in God's presence because the universe is God's temple and there was no separation because there was no sin. Unfortunately, that didn't last. Fast forward a few centuries, and here comes the nation of Israel. We have Kings David and Solomon. And if you read 2 Samuel chapter 7, you see the story of how King David, he really, really wanted to build a temple for God to dwell in. And King David was like, you know, I've got this nice house. It's made of cedar, and God's living in a tent. It's just not right. And if we were to go back again to the book of Exodus, you'll see that there was very explicit instructions about this tent, this tabernacle, uh, to, and how it was supposed to be built, and how that would essentially be the place where God's nature would come and dwell with the people of Israel, where the ark of God's covenant would be maintained, and God would tabernacle, dwell with his chosen nation. And, and, and King David, he just didn't think, now, now that Israel was uh, like a real thing, it was really a place and a people, David didn't think that that was right, that God be in a tent, and so he goes to Nathan, who was a prophet in the court, uh, the king's court. And Nathan said, yeah, yeah, you do you. That sounds good. Build the temple. And then God comes to Nathan in a vision and says, oh, wait, hold up. You know, I've been living in this tent for a while, and I, I never asked anyone to build me a house. I, I get why you want to do it. It's not going to be you, David. It's going to be your kid. So God decides to have David's son, Solomon, be the one to build the temple. And just like the first cosmic temple, just like that tabernacle, for a moment, the people of God, the beloved of God, dwelled with God in that structure. They, they tabernacled with the Almighty. The beloved ones could experience God's love and his care and his devotion through this holy structure. In Isaiah chapter 56, verse 6 and 7, it described the temple like this. It says, And the foreigners who joined themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them, a, make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. It's a house of prayer for everybody. Now, 
I'll say this, in fairness to, to Solomon and to the people of Israel, they, they knew, they understood fully that the temple was not massive enough to truly, truly hold God's immensity, you know, or support God. First Kings chapter 8, verse 27. Here's Solomon, he's about to dedicate the temple to God. And he starts off by saying this, uh, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I've built? And then he says, here it is. Here's your house, God. It can't contain you. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, it's, uh, the angels are crying out, holy, holy is, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see, the angels get it. The people get it. They understand that this place, this temple, is more for the people to dwell with God now, until they get to their permanent home with him on the day of the Lord. It's temporary. It's not full. But the experience of God dwelling with the people in the temple, it was just for a moment, unfortunately, because just as humanity was separated from God in the first cosmic temple by sin, Solomon's temple was eventually destroyed as well by sin, by Babylon, by, by the people turning away. From God. Now, if you fast forward to the New Testament, uh, what you have here is understanding the cosmic temple is still where God dwells, right? And we're separated from God because of sin. The first temple, Solomon's temple, where God would dwell with his beloved and where, where they could draw near to him, that got destroyed because of sin. The second temple that Haggai is encouraging them, the Israel or Judeans to rebuild, it wasn't as amazing as the first and ultimately, that one was destroyed as well in uh, 70 AD by Rome. But in reality, a new temple had already been established with the resurrection of Jesus from his torturous death on our behalf. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22 says this, so, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Let me read that to you really quickly. It says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, with the resurrection of Christ and with the promised helper, the Holy Spirit, we are the temple of God. God dwells within us. You know, John chapter 1, it starts like this. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John paints this beautiful picture, this imagery of the cosmic temple. Again, he's echoing Genesis chapter 1. In the verse 14, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt, dwelt among us. Just as God promised to, to dwell with his chosen ones in their tabernacle, just as God promised to dwell with his children in the temple, now with the entry of Christ, God promises to dwell within us. The Holy Spirit, the third person of our triune God, dwells within us. You know, one of the names of Jesus that was given is Emmanuel which is God with us. Jesus is God. And Jesus is living with his people. We are no longer coming to the temple. The temple has come to us, and the temple is us. You know, Jesus referred to himself as the temple himself. In John chapter 2, verse 19 to 22, what he wrote is this. Jesus answered them, speaking to the Pharisees, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And then the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this thing, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. With the crucifixion of Christ on the cross, there was this curtain that separated the people of Israel from God in the temple, and it supernaturally ripped in half. Because Jesus' redemptive act on the cross and his resurrection accomplished what every other man-made temple could never do. Jesus' perfect sacrifice and absolute victory over Satan and Sid made a way for God to not only be with his beloved, but also to dwell within his beloved. Because we are the temple. Individually and corporately, we are are the temple. Which brings us to, to Haggai, finally, and how I think we can apply this message, this message that he was given uh, to the Babylonian refugees in Jerusalem. Because up until now, I want to give Israel or Ju the Judeans credit. They, they did their best. They started well. They put down the foundation of the temple uh, when they came back to Jerusalem after being in captivity for 70 years, but they stopped, and they let other responsibilities other priorities come into play. And the people stop rebuilding the temple of God. So Haggai comes in and says, hey, you have to get your priorities right. You have to come back to this rebuilding, this dwelling place of the Lord. And I think that's today's point for at least when I was preparing for today. This passage is not about a church's capital campaign. This is not a book to call people to give to a new building or for us to help a call to pay for rent, though, you know, that would be nice. But Haggai is telling the people of Judah to get their priorities right and to focus on rebuilding the temple of God. And I think we can take away the same idea from the message because this is for you and this is for me to get our priorities right and focus on building, rebuilding the temple of God. For you and I, we are the temple of God. I'll tell you the truth. I often have to fight my natural te uh, tendency to procrastinate. You know, it's not an easy thing. There are times when I need to focus on writing a sermon, preparing something for my day job, 
cleaning the toilet, whatever. Then I'll end up on YouTube. Four hours later, I'll be like, what happened? Um, you know, I thank goodness I don't use TikTok or Discord or Reddit because you might never see me again. Um, you might have to find a pastor faster. Uh, the truth is that, you know, my capacity to draw near to God, it is there. It absolutely is there. But the desire to do so by prioritizing God, sometimes it's not. And really, when we end up doing something other than that which we are, should be prioritizing, maybe like death scrolling through YouTube instead of spending just 15 minutes with God, Something's going to suffer. But here's the thing. With, as with every other prophet that we looked at, Haggai doesn't only provide a divine challenge, which is to prioritize God, but he also points out that God provides a divine promise. God promises to help so that we can hope. In chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 of this book, it says this. Then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. I am with you. The divine challenge from God to prioritize him, it requires me to obey that challenge. But my ability to obey, my ability to persevere, is based on this hope, this assurance that God is with me, God is with you, and that God will stir up our spirit, just like he did for Zerubbabel, for Joshua, and for the remnant of Judah. And as the people of Judah continue to obey and continue to prioritize the rebuilding of the temple, God tells them in chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. See, we as individuals and as a corporate body, we are the temple of God. We are called now to prioritize constantly rebuilding that temple. And we get to do that today uh, by inducting new members into our body of believers. We get to do that every day as individuals by diving deeper into Scripture, to learning more about who God is, and by allowing Him to take priority in our lives. And we get to do that every day by living missionally, by living with the gospel as our compass, by living as people dependent on prayer, living as people who desire the community that Christ has created and living, worshiping passionately in so many ways. The hope that God promises us and the hope that he promises that, that this divine challenge that he's given us to prioritize God that it's going to be empowered by God's divine response. See, the work of Jesus on the cross and the empty grave, the work of the Spirit that dwells within us, that is what gives us the ability to fear not. You are God's temple. We are God's temple. And the, and the grandeur of God's temple is not my preaching, definitely. It's not your singing. 
though it's beautiful to hear. It's not our size. The grandeur of God's temple is the grandeur of God that shines out from this temple. The grandeur of God's temple is the grandeur of God that shines out from God's beloved. Thank you for tuning in to this week's COTV Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us, you can visit our website at cotv.life. God bless and have a great week.